2: There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves.
3: Welcome to My Third Eye. Prying open your thought, truth, and reality. Questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome welcome to to My Third Eye.
4: Yeah, I think I've, I've worked the system out here where... We live in a new estate and there's a vacant block and there's a huge big garden area with a a children's playground and stuff. And I tried to petition the council to get like a native food trust going where we can can raised beds and all that type of stuff. They knocked it back saying it was a health and safety issue.
3: Well, it's hump day. Yes, that means it is Wednesday and this is your M3E weekly dose. So, uh, yeah, I have uh, Drew from You're Missing the Point On, and we talk about Australia's version of Billy the Kid, Ned Kelly, and Drew breaks it down, and wow, I mean, there's just so so much that he talks about, and, and what Ned Kelly did for Australia is pretty fucking cool, because, you know, we, we don't get that kind of history lesson over here, you know, in America. So, it's neat to hear, you know, from someone, you know, down under when they have shrimp on the barbie. But, uh, yes, Drew, Drew killed it. And make sure you go follow him. Give him a five-star rating and review. Also, purepetwellness.com. Don't forget that. Purepetwellness.com goes to check out 20% off your entire order of your pet CBD needs. Yes, I use them on my pets. They work great. Also, Alive live shipping domestically conspiracy themed soap yeah you heard that dangerousworldpodcast.com okay dangerousworldpodcast.com go there you can get a single bar or you can save some money and get a four pack so highly suggest even just go check them out all natural soaps you can eat these get the shits but you're not going to be allergic to it it's all natural ingredients made here in the united states also patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast thank you for the newest patreon donations love you guys love uh that we continue to grow it's like a little family over there and wow uh, you know we're gonna have to put something together maybe a, a monthly thing where we we get a do a little chit chat that's probably not recorded or whatever so again three five and ten dollar tiers patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast I'm going to jump out of here. It's Wednesday. We only have two more days. And then some of us have an extended weekend. I don't. I have to have off two days, work a day, have off, and then go back for the rest of the week. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, Fourth of July is coming up. And we will be doing the Conspiracy Underground. So do not fret. Do not frown. It'll be there. So the next time you hear from me, again, uh, fair warning, this week's Talk at the Tavern will be a reload reboot throwback whatever you want to call it had some audio issues and internet connection issues so yeah is what it is and uh peace out enjoy this hump day episode and uh yeah one step closer to the edge of friday all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to m3e i have returning guest from down under, the Kangaroo Slayer himself, Drew, missing from you're missing the point. How are you, my friend?
4: Good mate, very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Awesome. um I'm here to talk about Ned Kelly, someone that you may not have heard before. So, and probably a lot of your listeners, considering he's a very Australian icon.
3: Yes, uh, I remember. God, this was what probably a month ago when we were setting this up, and yeah, I you were posting stuff, and I was like, man, this this is really interesting because obviously um i show how dumb i am with sometimes with it, during cunt not knowing where the freaking netherlands are and i, sh- I should know that <laughs> where dutch comes from but uh yeah, world history and you know Aust- australian history to boot because not many people really know about the past down there it's not common knowledge or stuff that's just shared about it. everybody just thinks you guys run around with big Bowie knives and you know kill crocodiles and wrestle you know kangaroos and chase off emus and whatever you know what i mean and and you have aborigines and everything on the island is going to kill you
4: or the continent or whatever <laughs> so. yeah that's that's the uh the vibe that a lot of americans get about australia and i think it's uh, due a lot to the american education system where you've got this fantastic sense of patriotism but it kind of stops there it doesn't really go out into the world right too much but i think a lot of australian history would um would hit a call with a lot of Americans, especially a lot of the elements of the Ned Kelly story. Nice
3: for uh, for the listeners. Can you just give a before we get too deep into it, who Ned Kelly was and what he w- was famous in Australia for?
4: Yeah, so I've actually got like a whole breakdown of like the events surrounding his life. So essentially, he was uh, an Australian outlaw who was fighting against the corrupt Victorian police force at the time and was from a poverty stricken background, who was a guy that really had to go into a life of crime to feed his family. And eventually he was, I believe, set up for one of his prison sentences, which kind of solidified his hatred of authority. And he became a notorious bush ranger, which is our version of like your gunslingers from the old west. Okay. Um, He was responsible for a couple of bank robberies and stagecoach holdups, that type of thing, and eventually was caught and hung by the state.
3: So... In
4: my little peanut brain,
3: he would be an equivalent to a Robin Hood, you know, kind of. Yeah, Robin,
4: he's, he's Australia's answer to a uh, a Billy the Kid or Robin Hood. Okay, all right, nice. And
3: the the guys that always go down in history as outlaws, but were actually probably true heroes.
4: Yeah, they're all the good guys all along, right? Mm-hmm.
3: It's funny you mentioned Billy the Kid because everybody everybody here in America knows Billy the Kid, Doc Holliday, you know, all, all those old gunslingers. And, you know, you, you don't think of that when you think Australia because, you know, we're always told, oh, they, they gave up their guns and, you know, da 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 So, but th- things were yeah, different they, they, back back in the day.
4: Yes, this was a frontier country. Like a, For a lot of people who may not know this, Australia is still vastly underdeveloped as a first world nation, so much that my own hometown- if you look at the old west pictures of the, the frontier towns are there, there might be a saloon, uh, a bank, and like maybe a post office, and that was it. Okay. That's what my hometown looked like in the 1920s. Oh, wow. And it, it just boomed over time. The majority of Australia was like that for the longest time. So, this was a wild time, a time where people did carry firearms, and there was law of provocation as well. So, people just used to shoot each other. It was a wild, wild west. Well...
3: When you start out as a prison state,
4: <laughs> things <laughs> things
3: don't don't uh, I don't know stray far from that, you know. Uh, but obviously they have now. But yeah. So before we get going, let people know. Obviously, I'm sure they do know. My audience knows where they can get a hold of you. But just in case we have new listeners, uh, plug your podcast wherever you can be found and any social media you want. And let's jump into some Ned Kelly.
4: Awesome, i uh, Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast. M I W S E N. It's a take on my surname. You can find me on all the usual podcatchers, uh, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all that type of stuff, um, and find me on Instagram under missing the underscore the underscore point.
3: And for for you guys out there, he is a little shadow banned, uh, <laughs> but, but he does, I mean, you fire off so much content in, in a day's time that every time I have a couple minutes and I open up Instagram, there, there's something new from you, and, and it's always fire, it's always good, I'm always liking it and I'm, you know, I don't know his comment because I don't have time, but I at least give it a like because I'm
4: like, yeah, that makes sense. You can't comment on 60 memes, Ghost? Come on. Uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get stuck into it. All right. So Ed- Edward Kelly, commonly known as Ned, was Australia's answer to Billy Kid and Robin Hood. He's a very real person, both Australian folklore and history that stood up for the common man against the corrupt police force and the monarchy based system of its time. He was a bushranger, an outlaw, a gang leader, and a convicted police murderer. One of the last bushrangers in Australian history, and is well known for wearing a suit of bulletproof armor during his final shootout with police.
3: Those are the pictures you sent me, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. So what he did was he he fashioned himself a means of defense against uh, a staggeringly high number of police that were after him and his gang, which has never been replicated since. It's um, I think that the... The Back to the Future film kind of ripped it off, where Michael J. Fox puts a sheet of metal underneath and gets shot in the chest. And it's like that bulletproof vest.
3: Yes, yes. Because Ned when,
4: Kelly, Ned well, Kelly started that whole thing off.
3: When uh, when you sent the pictures, I'm going to see if I can bring them up here. Um, yeah. It it that's what it exactly kind of reminded me of. I'm like, man, this dude basically just took um, metal, something that you would see out of like, a, oh, like a Mad Max type of film, and Or uh, night armor, basically. And that's that's what he wore. And I was I'm sitting here looking at the pictures. I was like, man, that's
4: that's pretty, pretty freaking neat. He was like the 19th century Iron Man. He built himself this suit of armor and it absolutely worked. It worked until the police changed their strategy. But yeah, there it is. Yeah. So he's got his plate armor mostly around the shoulders, head, body and over the crutch. Uh, that's, his, that's his personal armor there, and there's also the armor of his gang as well. So it wasn't just himself. He tried to protect his all the men that were in his group as well. Okay. Now, is this a bust of Ned Kelly? That's his death mask. So oh. upon hanging him, they made a cast of his head, which is on display to this very day.
3: I forgot that they, uh, yeah, the whole death mask thing was a thing for a while. Wow. You can almost see where the rope was underneath his neck.
4: Almost, And look how he has a very harsh face, very aged, very weathered. Mm -hmm. I'll let you guess how old he was when he died. By
3: looking at that, I would have said uh, he looks like someone nowadays that would probably be 40s or 50s. But I'm going to guess on a different aspect, he was probably 25.
4: Bang, he was 25. Damn. Exactly. Look at that guess. Nailed it. But look at, look at the harsh realities of life in those days to look like that. And yeah. now people today look like they're 18 all the way into their thirties.
3: Yeah. And I think is this the armor for his gang then? That's his gang's
4: army. Yeah. Okay. Dude, it's so primitive, but it, it worked.
3: It really did work. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. It did. All right. So Ed, um, Edward Kelly was born on December eighteenth, fifty four, in the then British colony of Victoria, which is my home state. He, has a thir- he was a third of eight children, born to Irish parents, his mother an immigrant, and his father, who was transported to Australia as a convict.
3: Did you say 1954?
4: 1854. 18- oh, 1854.
3: I'm like, man, this is more recent than I
4: thought. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, 1854. So, it's in the 19th century. Um, life was very rough for Ned growing up. At the age of 12, he quickly had to become the man of the house when his father died while serving an additional six-month prison sentence later on in life. So, it's not just the mid-19th century, like we think of the rest of the world. The world's developed, the world's booming at that time, but in Australia, it was still a frontier land. Okay. It was wild, untamed, dangerous, and with a new world of full variety of unfamiliar flora and fauna for its new settlers. Thick, dense hardwood forests were inhabited by First Nations people who competed with early settlers for game, foraging land, freshwater, and territory. Frontier wars and skirmishes between these tribes were a very real threat to colonists. But it wasn't the only concern. The biggest concern for people like Ned Kelly and his family of the day and the biggest threat to their safety and livelihood was the squatocracy, which is especially for those who were considered poor selector families. Now, I have to define what those two words are. Selectors essentially were just British citizens who were either descended from convicts or were poor people that arrived who claimed a portion of of land. And the crown would give it to them as long as they developed it, turned it into a farm or something like that. As a poor selector family, they had the pick of the worst land available. So, it was either very dense in bush and scrub, um, soil content wasn't the best, so they didn't really have the best land to choose from. Um, Whereas the Squatocracy, they were European settlers who arrived and it's kind of a play on the word aristocracy, where their usage came from they would steal other people's land. And so, the people who were in the squatocracy, Squatocracy had the most land, the most developed land, and often they just take it from people who already possessed it. Kind of like a modern so, day squatter. Yeah, like a modern day squatter. That's where it came from. Um, but they they held because they held that land. They had a lot of political pull and, and and power within the government at the time. So at this time, they became the aristocracy of Australia, particularly Victoria. And in these colonies, they wielded so much power they could influence the police force at the time, mm. um, which Victorian police at that time were considered to be very corrupt <laughs> and not a lot has changed since then, unfortunately. <laughs> Old habits die hard with that lot. Yeah. Now- So on many on many occasions, the police would often intervene on the on the Squatocracy's behalf and kick people off their land or if they were notified of um, people being harassed by these groups that they would actively ignore it.
3: Okay. Now, with your- <sighs> Do you guys call them indigenous or Aboriginal? Uh, both. Both. Okay. So with with them fighting with the Aboriginals, does that still go on today as much? Because um, I I don't know the little that I know of the Aboriginal tribes. You don't really like they have their land, and you you just don't go there. Is that
4: is that true? Essentially, um, over nearly 50% of Australia is considered indigenous land, which isn't spoken about too often. A lot of Australians don't even know about. Okay. So, it's a, almost a 50-50 split between crown land, indigenous land, and people's own personal property. But uh, the biggest disputes now are more political. There's no active <laughs> fighting going on. Right. Those last kind of battles happened in the, at the start of the- um, the 20th century, the last few little conflicts, but now it's all politically driven There's a lot of indigenous people in parliament and in our governments that are advocating for indigenous rights. So it's more along those lenses.
3: Okay. Now the other question I have, and I'm only basing this off American history, the native Americans helped us in some of our wars. Did they, did your indigenous people ever help like Ned Kelly's front or,
4: or anything like that? To fight um, off it's the not, authority. It's not it's not proven, but being of, of the low socioeconomic spectrum in Australia at the time, being both Irish and descended from a, a convict and having a, a criminal background, he was forced to kind of go out into the bush and make connections with local mobs and tribes, and he did have some local um some local indigenous tribes or clans that assisted him um just more moving around and getting through the bush without being detected but there wasn't anything officially with say like what you would see in the states where you had the french and indian wars or anything like that it was more of a an assistance show you around type of a deal
3: okay which could be uh, can be a great help in in and of itself you know here you have safe passage go through you know here's the safe Mm -hmm. way through we're not going to take up arms you know, now our Native Americans and First Nations people did take up arms, thankfully, and then obviously we know how history turned out, and we turned around and fucked them. But that's every government in the world.
4: Exactly. So unfortunately, the same thing happened to the indigenous here. There were uh, there were those those border conflicts and small skirmishes, but the scale of the uh, American Indian Wars wasn't quite there with Australia. Um, okay, a, a large majority of Indigenous Australians were wiped out either purposefully by the governments of the time or disease ended up killing a lot of quite a few off. Kind of like the smallpox blankets. Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, the common cold is very deadly for indigenous people. Their immune systems just aren't at the same scale as Westerners.
3: Huh. That's that's interesting.
4: Very interesting. All right. So the Cowley family, a poor Irish migrant family from convict stock, had very low social standing in this colony leaving them with a relatively small and less less than stellar landholding for farm production. Living in a dangerous new world, the lower socioeconomic family sphere, the Ned Kelly quickly turned to his life of crime in order to feed his family and survive. As a teenager, Kelly was arrested for associating with a known bushranger, an Irishman called Harry Power, and served two prison terms for a variety of offences. It has been speculated that Callie's mother was in a romantic or a reciprocal relationship with Harry Power and that Ned was essentially sold off as a form of child labor. However, this has never been conclusively proven. So he started to build that that early life of being an outlaw in his teens, just as a means to protect and feed his family at the time.
3: Mm. Which I think you and I would probably do the same thing.
4: Well, I think everyone would do it. All <laughs> half of the convicts that came to Australia were done for stealing bread or food. So yeah. that's just adapting to a new place, isn't
3: it? Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, and and I love medieval films and, and stuff like that. They always put that in there. You know, you see the poor kid, you know, stealing a loaf of bread and what have you. It, but they put it in there for a reason because it was that common.
4: Absolutely, it was, and particularly Australia. Australia had. It was still wild. A lot of the bush hadn't been felled yet. So, farming was still very small scale. And the type of animals we have in Australia, they are high in protein. So, if you were to just live off the mammals that are around in Australia, a lot of Westerners ended up getting what's akin to rabbit starvation. Okay. You can eat and eat and eat and eat, but- all you're getting is straight protein. So you don't have the fats and the minerals and everything else that you need as well, um, which the indigenous people, they knew a way around that. They had foraging techniques for local vegetables and fruits and things and seafood, whereas the Westerns were still very meat and bread orientated. So right. a lot of starvation occurred early on. That's uh, that
3: that is actually a big problem when people think that they can like leave the lower, low, uh, lower 48 and move up to Alaska and the Inuits. You know they're out there now they're allowed to but you know they hunt seal and this and and what have you. and they they make sure they're eating that that blubber that whale blubber that fat and other people you know people down here be like why are you eat, consuming just fat that's cholesterol and this day your body needs that you know and and now you see this big push for oh high protein diet that's that that's the way and it's like now nah, i mean you can cut carbs out but you still need some of these fats To balance out the protein
4: yeah you need it for your brain chemistry as well like if you don't you don't have any of that fat working your way through your system you're going to be on on four cylinders when you're running a va it's yeah
3: big time um just on a side note and this is just highly ironic someone just requested to send a message to me okay Why, why we're sitting here recording live and i accepted it and the message was a link to ap news Australian police use taser on 95 year old with dementia who held a steak knife.
4: Yes, this was in New South Wales. So, okay. (laughs) stayed above me. But police in this country are going through some very questionable changes within the psyche of the people at the moment. So this elderly lady held up a steak knife. She's full blown dementia, small, frail. And instead of trying to disarm her or restrain her, they thought the best course of action was to hit her with a taser. And now she's in critical care. She could die. Wow. And the police are refusing to release the body cam footage.
3: Oh, of course. You know, it's- (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) I I just- was baffled at that i'm like i'm sitting here talking with drew from australia and someone sends me an australian link about this and you're like yeah it just happened blah 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 blah, blah. I'm like,
4: wow. yeah it's very serendipitous of what the police are like in the ned kelly story Jeez. as well all right hey. all right so the big turning point for ned was um he had this growing distrust of police because of his time served as a teenager and and that time working with a known outlaw that he hated the system, he hated the police, and eventually came to a head in 1871 when Ned discovered a horse. He found a a horse out in the scrub, out in the bush, all by itself, um, no markings, anything on it to show ownership. And Ned being Ned, thought, oh, this is awesome, not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, literally. And he mounted it, and he rode it straight on into town. Unfortunately, this was the end for Ned. Um, It proved to be a really terrible choice that... A young man who'd already rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, was known by police, had criminal charges. Um, The squatocracy had it out for him, and so did the constabulary. He was arrested for suspicion of theft and was later charged and found guilty of receiving a stolen horse. And he then served a prison term of three years from 1871 to 1874. For a horse. For a horse. Something that- didn't show ownership he tried to explain supposedly that i just found it and if it's someone's they can take it back but they really drilled it home to put him away again wow
3: thing things never change
4: no definitely not t-
3: t- take that horse and it could be a car these days or not even a car a bicycle that's probably yes. been sitting somewhere with rust on it yeah you-, you name it no one's ridden it you find it just stashed okay i'm gonna ride it cool it's it's all you know squeaking and what have you no different than this horse and oh you're gonna get arrested and you know but we have it out for you that's why
4: yeah it's it's the same as like buying a car from someone cash in hand and then finding out it's a stolen vehicle you're the one that gets in trouble not the guy you bought it from.
3: right (laughs) yeah
4: dicks exactly so after this next stint in prison he made some connections with a couple of uh scrupulous characters. And he later became a member of the Gretig mob, which was a group of bush rangers and larrikins known for cattle theft. So they would go around, steal cattle from people's ranches and sell them off. What's a larrikin? A larrikin is an Australian vernacular for like uh, a funny bloke, um, a good mate, someone who is a bit of a roustabout. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this group quickly crossed paths with the police force, though, at the Cali's home itself. So in 1878, Violence broke out at the homestead. Um, Ned was being indicted for attempting to murder a police officer of the Crown, and Ned's mother was arrested and imprisoned for her parts in the events. But Ned managed to get away. Mm. So, the police rocked up found where the gang was, there was a bit of a scuffle. Ned was going to be arrested. He bolted into the bush and his mum was the scapegoat for it all. So, Ned fled into the bush, vowing that one day he would get vengeance for his mother's arrest. And the tensions led to his younger brother, Dan, and two associates, Joe Byron and Steve Hart, to shoot dead three policemen, and as a result, the government proclaimed them all outlaws, and that's where the Ned, Galley, Ned Kelly gang started. Okay. So, his his brother took it upon himself to get revenge with his mates, they killed some cops, and that's when the manhunt started. They were officially proclaimed outlaws, kind of like a Robin Hood. Yeah. The state yeah. named who they were, you're, you're villains, you're evil people, and we're coming for you
3: you you hit it right on the head when when you said uh billy the kid type of character because his story isn't too far off of what billy the kid's story was you know what i mean everybody knows billy the kid for uh being a fast gunslinger and this and that and you know kind of a a wise ass you know a, a provocateur i guess you could say you know edging people on for a fight But I I do believe his crimes essentially were something to do with cattle, and he ended up hooking up with this farmer and what have you, and then, long story short, he was protecting his friends, ended up killing an officer or whatever, and that's what eventually led to him being this big criminal because he was protecting his friend from corrupt police officers.
4: Yeah, my understanding is that Billy was almost a part of like a a small outfit used to protect uh, a farmer's holdings, his land, yes. from a, a a competing farm next door. Which kind of sounds a lot like the squadocracy Yes, um, trying to take land from other people. So it's the same kind of a deal here. It's average person standing up using their morals against what's wrong and what's right, standing for what's right and going against what's wrong.
3: And and for the listeners, if if you if you're not familiar it's not a historically accurate film but if you kind of want that that story of billy the kid told watch young guns and young guns Two. um it, it, that's kind of the basis of billy the kid and a couple of the others uh stories so it's an older movie came, came out in the late 80s early 90s but still good very good
4: and it actually proves that john bon jovi can time travel
3: yes it does because he was shot down in a blaze of glory.
4: <laughs> uh, oh, great she, movie. Very it, good yes, movie. Blue yes, Diamond Phillips is in that as well. Yes. Very good. All right. So the new formed Cali gang evaded Victoria police for over two years. And I'll put this into context for you. Victoria itself is one of our small states in Australia. Okay. But it's bigger than multiple European countries. You can fit a whole heap of European countries into Victoria itself. Most of it is still bushland today. So at that point, it was majority... Um, tall wood ash, whole um, eucalyptus gum, red wood gum forest. Very dense, very easy to hide out in. So they spent two years evading the police. They couldn't catch them. So this was support- This was achieved through the support of a following that he'd gathered from the lower class and sympathisers within Australia. So the poverty stricken, um, the larrikins of the world, the the Irish, the convicts, they all looked up to Ned Kelly as someone who's kind of fighting for, for their-, their place in society. And he, he, at that time, he was starting to be considered as a modern day Robin Hood for his time. Okay. Um, so, the major events undertaken by the gang were raids at Uriand and Geraldry. Um, essentially, it was a bank robbery, a couple of bank robberies, and a stagecoach theft. Um, they were responsible for killing Aaron Sherratt, who was a sympathiser turned police informant who was actually killed while under police protection. So oh. all this time, they're evading police, not being caught, committing bank robberies, stealing things. They found out that one of their supporters was giving information to the police and tipping them off. And instead of just leaving it, they actively found where he was being held by the police and topped him. Ooh. talk about sending for a for fucking message. He walked out for a piss at night and they shot him in the dark. Nice. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. They definitely do. So it was at this time where he's gathering this following within the colonies and there's a bit of unrest going on amongst the low socioeconomic groups that Neds decides to send a manifesto. He sent a 40 page manifesto denouncing police, the government and the British Empire. He set down his own account of the events that led up to his outlawry and demanded justice for his family and the rural poor. He threatened dire consequences against those who defied him. And here's just a few major talking points from his 40 page manifesto. Two little paragraphs. All right. As it it only aids the police to procure false witnesses to lag innocent men, I would advise them to subscribe to a sum and give it to the poor of their district, as no man could steal their horse or cattle without knowledge of the poor, and they would rise as one man ...and find it was on the farce of the earth. The police can't protect you. All those that have reason to fear me and better sell out and give £10 out to every hundred to the Widow and Orphan Fund and do not attempt to reside in Victoria but as short as a time as possible after reading this notice. Neglect this and abide by the consequences which shall be worse than the rust in wheat in Victoria or the drought of the dry season in the grasshoppers of New South Wales." I do not wish to give order full force without giving timely warning, but I'm a widow's son, an outlawed man, and my orders must be obeyed. Mm. Very well said. So he said it straight. He Now there's some alternative historians who are trying to claim today through their research that Ned was actively trying to create an uprising amongst the poorer classes. And that he was actively going out with his gang, recruiting an army. This hasn't been proven, um, but there are indications that those types of things were going on. Which if I was him, I think I would be doing that. Absolutely. After a life of being downtrodden and persecuted and targeted, seems like a thing with so much corruption going on at the time. Yeah. All right. So the crown at this point in response to his manifesto, Stepped up their pursuit of the Kelly gang, bringing in decorated officer from the the colony of South Africa to bring him in, Superintendent Francis Hare. This proved to be the man who would outwit and outthink Ned Kelly, but not to a lot of challenge and pushback from the Kelly gang. Mm. So you think about this, a small colony on the other side of the world means nothing. The Crown has to actively invest in one of their best police officers from across the Commonwealth to catch an outlaw. So there must have been a lot going on beyond the odd stagecoach robbery going on in the state that they, I think are really trying to quash a rebellion.
1: Huh?
3: Never mind. I lost my I lost my question. I, I had <laughs> no it right, worries. Right, right there. I was because if, if you've got mind. it, jump
4: in. Yeah. In 1880, the state drove the gang into the bush by occupying townships, farmsteads and pressing his sympathizers for information. Ned knew the large number of officers and their rifles would quickly outnumber and outgun the gang if found. This is when he put his famous plan into action. So I
3: remember remembered what I was going to ask. So this cop, he wasn't from Victoria?
4: No, he was a British national air quotes who was born in oh, from South Africa and was their major and superintendent for putting down uprisings amongst the African tribes.
3: Okay, so they kind of... Yeah. Now, did they bring him in or he was already there
4: they brought him in they okay. actually shipped him out wow so that's a long time back then to go by a boat so yeah. they must have seen the writing on the wall of what could potentially happen if the cali gang wasn't put down
3: yeah because you, you have to think uh god you got to send a letter you know what i mean and mm-hmm. then that, that travels by horse and boat and finally gets to him then he has to reply and you know so we're talking months and months and months before anything
4: Happen. And think about how long the, the governor of Victoria sat on it, because you wouldn't want to look incompetent to the rest of the empire. Right. That this Irish thug was going around stealing and robbing. It's actually have to have to ask for help from the crown. That would have been a big step in those days. So that he probably sat on that for months on end. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So here's how his awesome plan came into action. In 1880, this, so they they drove him into the bushlands. He was hiding. He couldn't rely on his sympathizers, couldn't go into the towns, because they're currently being occupied by an army of the police, right? hmm Within the confines of the Victorian bushland, the gang pieced together a makeshift forge and began the process of building the gang's now famous armour. It was fashioned from stolen plough, mole board, and they developed this protective armour against the rounds of the police that were now chasing them. So, they figured there's going to be that many guns, there's going to be that many bullets flying at us, we need to protect ourselves. And they had the ability to think of something to protect themselves. So So they 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 may have been low education, low brow guys, but they had the smarts to give themselves some kind of body armor.
3: Yeah, and you said these came from like plows, right? Yeah, from plow boards. Yeah, so that's that's thick steel or yeah steel uh, to begin with, and then they're gonna kind of heat it up and forge it into what they need. That's some thick armor. I wouldn't. It is. Wouldn't want to wear it, uh, just due to the weight. and was this like summertime or wintertime for you guys when, when all this was kind of occurring?
4: Uh, I believe it was wintertime. So okay. at, at the best of times, the Australian bush is cold, wet and damp in Victoria, especially. So we're so far south. So they're cutting down hardwood red gum trees, which are notorious for breaking saws, breaking axes. They are cutting this wood up to fire the furnace. Wow. wow. To bend and shape this metal, which is ironic because red gum is some of the hot, hottest burning firewood in the world. So, they were in the best position to be out in the middle of nowhere doing this. Jeez.
3: <laughs> and never, underestim- uh, never underestimate someone with uh, a very strong will to, to carry out a deed. And they're back against a wall.
4: Yeah. So, he had to try and even the odds through this. Even with the new armour, they were outnumbered and wouldn't last long. Ned's plan was to derail a train carrying dozens of officers on their way to ambush the gang. So, what he did was- He'd taken some hostages at a hotel at the time, and he went out, he derailed the tracks within the bush where it wouldn't be seen in the hopes it would derail the train and kill a whole heap of the police that were after him. Unfortunately, it's suspected that one of his hostages got away and was able to flag down the train in time, in which case they got out, they put the train- The tracks back on and the train kept moving. So, that part of the the plan failed. Damn. On its face, it would have worked perfectly. Would have taken out a whole heap of the police and he may have had a better chance. So that plan failed. The derailment um, was noticed to the police and ended up with the police engaging in a final shootout with the gang at the Glen Rowan Inn. The gang took two drunken hostages from the hotel as a means of negotiation. They surrounded the hotel in the dead of night. And during a rainstorm, the gang adorned in their armor began to fire upon the police. Mm. So we're talking the 1800s. Did you guys have rifles then? Like we did. We, d- we didn't have the lever actions. Um, even the pistols, they were cock, fire, cock, fire, cock, okay. fire. It wasn't a cylinder based um, pistol like you guys had. So they would go out, they'd cock, fire, cock, fire, cock, fire, and then go back in and reload. Okay. Um, so th- they were completely surrounded. The police had rifles, pistols, they are opening fire, shooting through the windows. This went on for quite some time. Um but this is when their plan came into action. They realized that they were surrounded. They had to put the armor on. They donned their armor. They turned the lamps off on the hotel, making it pitch black. They would step out into the dark. Someone inside would turn the lanterns back on to show them in their armor. They freaked the shit out of the police <laughs> who were watching them. They let the police shoot at them. They stood there staunchly waiting for the police to shoot. It would ricochet bounce off them. They might get hit in the arms or the waist where it wasn't armoured. They get hit. They'd stand there, take it, then raise their pistols and start popping and taking out police.
3: Mother people, don't underestimate the fucking Irish, Okay,
4: That's all I'm going to say. They're crazy. So there's, uh, there's a, an account from one of the personal diaries of one of the police officers, and there's supposedly a thunderstorm at the time where he said with every flash, you could see the demons in their armor ready to shoot us one by one. Ooh! And as soon as they ran out of armor, the lights would go off. They'd go back inside, reload, and they'd come out for another round, come out for another round.
3: Even Even though the bullets are hitting that metal that still has to hurt- like, you're still, I mean, you're still feeling that impact. And and to sit there and take it, like you said, in a hip or in an arm and just, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, talk about putting some mental fear in, in, into your opponent.
4: Absolutely. And these are, and the police at that time, they were generally well-educated, upper crust English settlers who became police for the social status of things. And they were very... um wary of superstitions and indigenous folklore and these guys would have absolutely scared the crap out of them by seeing what they were doing. Nice. nice. So, the police were taken back by this display and began to waver and becoming disenchanted in the shootout. All until one officer pointed out the, pointed out the weakness in the armour, the seams around the legs, elbows, hands and waist. The police began to target these areas and one by one each of the men began to fail, and they were dragged back inside to the inn. Later, the police would end the whole stalemate, the whole shootout, by setting fire to the building with all occupants inside, including the hostages.
3: Ooh. Not a fun way to
4: go. Ancient Waco. Set fire to the building and deal with it that way. Now, Callie was the only survivor and was severely wounded by the police fire when he was captured. Despite thousands of supporters attending rallies and signing a petition for his reprieve, Callie was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death by hanging, which was carried out at the old Melbourne jail.
3: Damn. So this this whole escapade it didn't last many many years, but it
4: when it did finally happen, I mean, it went quick. It didn't. It had, it's had such a long ongoing social impact in the Victorian psyche and the Australian um, cultural framework. He's someone that's not going to be forgotten anytime soon.
3: Gotcha. So w- w- when you say that, like, how how do Victorians and, and Australians view him today. Like is he like uh, like a William Wallace type hero or just very uh- much
4: so. It's it's a split. So you've got a lot of the the working class blue collar Australians who identify with Ned because he had that ability to stand up against the establishment and fight for what was right and mm-hmm. for his family. And then you've got the other side of things where Victoria police, even to this day, still lay out a wreath for the officers that were killed, and they still proclaim Ned Kelly to be a police murderer and not something that people should um, look towards with reverie or with some kind of notoriety. They don't think that's a good idea.
3: Oh, of course not. You're, you're going against the establishment.
4: Exactly. Gotta- Sorry, here's he's one of the most important things about Ned Kelly. And a lot of young guys get this tattooed on themselves in Australia. that the young tradies and bogans out there. Before Ned died, his final words were, such is life.
3: Yo, I've heard that, such is life. Yep. Like, even here um, in America.
4: Yeah, so it's a very poetic standing and statement from a man who fought his entire life of 25 years. What a crazy concept to think the guy so young could... Have put that amount of effort into standing up for what was right, and such is life. Um, a lot of young guys get this tattooed across their chest or their abs or across their arms. It's a statement that is um built into our psyche as a nation.
3: So, where do you have it tattooed?
4: I don't have it tattooed. I'm a <laughs> clean skin.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, is that because I've heard that even even when I was a kid, you know, certain people, you know, oh, such is life, you know, this and that. Is he the originator of it, or who, who? I'm
4: not sure, but that's the statement he ended his life with. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was maybe from a, a older Victorian era type of um, statement. But that's how he ended his life, such as life.
3: Yeah, because here in America, obviously we're a melting pot, and you know the Ellis Island and all that. You know, immigrants used to come through. Obviously, we had Australians. You know, everybody from around the world. We still do. I mean, now it's more different they like they like that southern border but obviously folklore from every nationality and and i'm not saying this is folklore but you know you know stories passed down from generations still make it into common common language or common stories or try to you know relate it to something here you know what i mean which is which is neat because until you said that i was like man i i didn't know that was like a ned kelly last words, you know, such as life, you know, it's kind of like it is what it is, you know.
1: But
4: This is what I love about Ned Kelly is that he represented the last of the wild untamed frontier of Australia. It was quickly becoming a highly organized and educated society. The uneducated were being locked up, put in prison, pushed out. And he was the last person pushing back against this. And unfortunately a lot of Australians identified Ned Kelly and, and, support the things he did as being morally right, but in the past three years we definitely didn't see that within Victoria or Australia. We saw our people kowtow to the establishment and I think the spirit of Ned Kelly and the spirit of what he stood for has died for a lot of Australians. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if we're going to get that back, but there is a bit of a resurgence with with him and a lot of the freedom parties and a lot of the truth of community, so who knows? It's It's something that's still within our our collective mindset as victorians yeah and it,
3: it needs to be because the whole world watched what happened during the last three four years in australia and we were just shaking our heads like holy shit you know how can they let the their government do that to them but when you look at how things are in australia your hands are tied unfortunately and that's why the rest of the world screams that the United States do not give up your guns, do not give up your guns. You you guys are the last stance for what, what freedom is supposed to be represented. And we're losing that quicker than shit here.
4: Yeah. You've got to dig your heels in and don't let what happened to us happen to you. Yeah. All right. I've got a few little conspiracy theory side of things. Oh, nice. Ned Kelly. Now I like, so that. this is where the folklore starts to come into it. Some karma right here. So, Sir Redmond Barry, who was the judge who presided over the case and sentenced Ned to death, he actually died 12 days after Ned's hanging. He died of a carbuncle on his neck, which is like a pus-filled wound. Yeah. like Like a big pimple. That popped and he died, of all things, 12 days after the hanging. So, people say in the community that this was Ned's revenge against him and he was coming back from the dead to kill him whether it's just coincidence or not, it's definitely some karma that that guy died 12 days after sentencing Ned to death. That's awesome. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) And this is where the folklore comes into it. There's a really, really interesting theory about Ned and when that he wasn't actually arrested and it wasn't Ned that was hung at the jail. The theory supposes that it was his brother, Dan, who took his place, allowing Ned to escape into the bushland during the shootout. Officially, Dan and Steve Hart died when the police set fire to the hotel uh, where they were sheltering, and the two charred bodies were found later. Now, the theory is that Dan took one of the hostages, Mm -hmm. put him inside the armour, and lent him up against the wall, allowing Ned to escape, and he put Ned's armour on. Okay. And he took Ned's place. Um, There's some slight evidence for this. There's stories of Ned being seen and wrote about by the- by the people in the aristocracy at the time and people in diaries. And in the nineties, there was an old photo that came out that supposedly depicts Ned Kelly alive and well, 10 years after the fact. Interesting, which, which sold for, I think it was 70,000 pounds at the time, but can't be found anymore.
3: Huh? If I would, have, cause I, I always go into interviews blind. Because I want to learn a, a, as we're going along. If I would have known a lot of this, I think, and we can always do a part two to some of this and compare the lives of Billy the Kid and Ned Kelly because there's there's some of that folklore with Billy the Kid that he he wasn't shot and killed at at that uh, that ranch or wherever he was staying and he he did escape and it's just kind of it's it's weird how similar the stories are now granted billy the kid wasn't wearing all this armor or what have you but you know he was considered an outlaw but he he was fighting for what he perceived as good you know what i mean and, and in all accounts i i think he was fighting for good and same with ned kelly
4: yeah and um particularly in australia we have a We have an affinity for the underdog. We always go for the little Aussie battler, as we call them, the person that's defying surmountable odds and and putting in the good fight. So, we identify with those people. And I think it's the same way for Billy and Billy and the Kid, that Mm -hmm. he was one of- He was just the average guy trying to do his best. And I think you see a lot of these stories happen across multiple cultures. And it's probably for good reason. It's either we're all being oppressed by the same people or the moral stance and good people just try to fight back yeah and i think i i'm not
3: encouraging violence anybody and neither is drew but i think we need to have some more of these ned kelly's or billy the kid type people stand up and you know take take your country back i mean hell we saw france france of all people known to be sorry french people kind of lazy uh out rioting, uh, going to BlackRock's headquarters, and and you know over their their raise of uh, the retirement age, if if that's what we're truly, t- you know, if that's what it truly was. You know, th- the French are doing it up in England during the last four years. Protests constantly up there, and and a lot of them never got any type of traction. I'm sure down in Australia there was protests that never got any coverage or nobody even heard about it
4: yeah um and you know how the media are today. a few hundred protesters, and then you get the videos from people's phones and it's easily a hundred thousand. yeah, yeah, exactly it's um it's it's something that we need to keep in our in our collective culture across the west that we need to have that rebellious spirit or we're going to go back to a like a, a medieval serfdom except it'll be a technocracy. We'll be the the poor people working in the factories and building the things that they want for the elites, and we'll go to our little tiny pods, and they'll be living high off the hog. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that rebellious nature, history will repeat itself.
3: Yeah, and our pods will be visors over our head while we live in the AI.
4: Hmm. Exactly right. We're probably working in a virtual reality somehow. Yeah. Not living. The last a- little thing. Ab- oh, go ahead. The last little thing about Ned Kelly is that he wasn't always a criminal. Um, as a child, he actually saved another boy from drowning, and this boy belonged to a, a somewhat upper class English family. Okay. Uh, and th- this family awarded him with a gold and green sash, um, which Ned reportedly was wearing the night that he was shot and captured. He had that sash tied around his waist as evidence of his bravery and that he was a good person. So much so that the national colours for the Australian teams in sports are gold and yellow. A golden, um, green, sorry. Oh, nice. So that's carried on as well. That's awesome. It's our national sporting colours for everything we do. So we, we've taken that on board as well as a country, whereas you'd look at our flag, red, blue, and white, you'd think it'd be something like that, but gold and green based off a lot of Ned Kelly. Huh. I've got some homework for you, though. Okay. All right. You're a big film buff. Go back and watch the 2003 Ned Kelly film starring oh, I, Heath Ledger. I was just going to Bloom, add- Jeffrey Rush, Naomi Watts. And Joel Edgerton. Okay, so
3: it's just called Ned Kelly? Ned Kelly. Because I was going to ask you that earlier. Did
4: they ever make a movie out of his his story? And there, there's, there's been a recent one in the last couple of years. Um, I think that the Heath Ledger one is more romantically accurate to the type of person I believe he was. Okay. Um, well- the latest one that's come out puts him in the light of being a drunkard and they have him dancing around in women's clothing and all sorts of weird oh, shit. It's, um, absolutely. You know, you got to you gotta push that it's, movement. It's really woke. But that film, actually, the newer one does point out that he was trying to raise an army at the same time, which the, the Heath Ledger one doesn't. So there's elements of truth in it sprinkled amongst PC crap in the latest one. Okay. But give the uh, 2003 film a go. Fantastic film. Yeah, definitely.
3: I'm going to have to find a platform that it's on because- I'm going to watch it just because it has Heath Ledger in it. He's one of my favorite actors. You know, God, God yeah, rest his soul. Yeah, na- he
4: absolutely nailed it. Orlando Bloom actually plays the the friend who um, one of his one of his mates, not his brother. And then there's Joel Edgerton, I believe, plays the role of the friend who betrays them to the police. Okay, and gets shot in the dark. Now, is- fantastic film, great period piece. If you're an American and want to know what Australia was like at that time it nails the period perfectly oh nice
3: now is is orlando bloom an aussie as well uh british british okay i i I knew heath was but wasn't sure about him i liked orlando bloom in uh, lord of the rings favorite character i think out of that whole movie
4: yeah i think he jumped on board for the ned kelly film because he was living in new zealand and australia um, periodically during the lord of the rings films and he really liked it here and he and he decided to join the film nice
3: so what else do we have? Uh, I mean, we have, we have, I set aside a, a decent amount. I mean, if you want to wrap, we can. I can put this out as a bonus. It's up to you.
4: Up to you, man. Let's keep going. What we can do is um, we can always just cut it and then um, have the, another half as something else as a bonus, have the Ned Kelly one part, and then us talking about something else. Up to you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, we can do that. Whatever you want to talk about.
4: Awesome. All right. What's going on in statewide with you guys? <laughs> What's... <laughs>
3: what isn't uh oh, shit statewide what, what have i been seeing over the weekend a lot of joe biden shit obviously with him visiting uh japan Got the motherfucker almost fell down steps again then they show him wandering around like like he, he has no no clue and then this uh durham report comes out and in there i guess the fbi said he wasn't Mentally fit to know that he was conducting wrong businesses with foreign agencies while in a position of power, but yet he's mentally fit to run the country. So, how, how does that make sense?
4: He's not mentally fit to hold a bank card or a driver's license, no, a finger on the button. Jesus no. Christ, he, he can barely even
3: hold a fucking ice cream cone. But hey, but it's chocolate, chocolate chip, chocolate, chocolate chip. That is true. I don't know. It, there, there's just so much that hits us, and obviously you listen, and, and we try to cover the what we think is important on on the conspiracy underground with you know Ryan and I, and and what we can find for the weekly news news show. But a lot of it is just it's like repeat. It's just okay. It's the same thing that was played out. Pick your president before that. Just different players now and it's just all fear porn fear propaganda keep people scared oh my god this is gonna happen trump's going to jail oh my god no he's not oh biden crime family they're going down no no they won't nothing is ever
4: gonna fucking happen to these fucks this is the problem with the two-week news cycle it desensitizes us to what's actually going on because then they repeat that same news cycle a presidency later or a few months later or what have you, whereas if it was real integrity, if the news had real integrity, they'd push that story every single hour of every single day until something actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. And the media doesn't do that anymore. Nope. Nope. You saw, for my memory, okay,
3: I didn't really pay attention to Clinton's presidency. I was in high school and then off into to the Air Force or whatever, but didn't really care then. But when you see Bush- uh, with nine eleven and all that come into play, and you watch the news coverage then, and how they were showing body counts, body counts, body counts. Then Obama came in. Oh, all that stopped. Then Trump comes in. Oh my God, we're gonna bash him, bash him, bash him like we did did Bush, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit body count body count body count body count body count biden comes in oh everybody get your your pokey poke because uh biden said it's okay even though it was trump's shot and y'all said it was it was bad like what the fuck like people (laughs) i I don't like left or right but
4: how dumb do people need to be that they can't see that that's what's going on like hello it's team team sports analogy it just fits people perfectly doesn't it yeah it's and you could agree with someone Ninety-eight percent of the time, and if they give you two percent of something from another party, oh, you're you're a Democrat, or you're a Republican because you believe in this. Yeah, no, I can have two states of mind in my head at the same time.
3: (laughs) Exactly. You know, uh, I'm I'm a free-thinking individual, and I don't know. It's it's nuts. It it gets it gets old sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I got out of. Like, like Q, and I've said this uh, uh, many times, Q really burned me and duped me because to me, and and I know there's other vets out there that still buy into it and and are like full gung-ho on it, and it's like, dude, look at how you're being duped. They're playing into your military psyche like that, because they know how you were programmed. And I fell for it for a while, and and You know, you you still see it and it's like, come on, people.
4: It it screams that it's like the feds creating a farm to try and create shooters. Yeah, because the last thing um, that they need to push gun control in America, I think, is to have a whole heap of vets armed to the teeth going out and gunning down a bunch of innocent people. And if you can have the feds that are manipulating people to do that, I think that's all they need for gun control in the states. Yeah. It's going to be hard for them, and it would probably be beds having shootouts of people in their houses or on their property, but I think it, that's the way it's, it's going, especially when a thing like Q gets weaponized. Yeah. It, it'll be another uncivil <clears throat> yeah.
2: Well, where do I start? <sighs> I'm bad shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government fact check every head when it come to this upside down system had enough of it another sapien that's on the globe lost code looking for the direction but don't nobody know the only bit of insight that they ever sold me i've been start to find out doesn't really hold Every half a and piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die. They don't care. They itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to Lipos Light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope walking this edge, and I've been wondering if anyone loves me. Shit. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me. you were fed by the government fact check every head when it come to this upside down system had enough of it we bad shit, what we read in the covenant it's cap we were fed by the government Back check every head when it come to this upside down system had enough of it i want the power to shake shit and shift shape tap into pineal eye without a mistake we have the power to live right and get straight but they found a way to remove this they bitch mate hey.